Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. I am glad that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. We are going to be talking about running our race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And what is going to get in the way of that? Distractions distractions and busyness. Now, just a reminder, we're moving towards the subject of prayer, and we'll incorporate that in today, and then we're going full-fledged into prayer for the next several weeks, and it's going to be a really great study. And we're going to get to that topic in just a moment. Let me first remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. 721ministries.org is our website. There's a lot of things. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about a, a chart, a poster that we call the Narrow Gates King of the Castle poster, and it's on the website. So you'll want to go to 721ministries.org and find that and and remind yourself of the things we talked about today. We have a sister website, which you can link off of that, or you can go straight to puttinggreenblog.com, <clears throat> puttinggreenblog.com. On that, we have our Putting Greens, our weekly devotionals that you can sign up free of charge. We've got our books and I think you'll find a lot of other interesting things there. 721ministries.org, puttinggreenblog.com. Okay, as I read Paul, and you know, Paul, I tell you, just go back and read Acts. You talk about the Energizer Bunny, if there ever was one. You cannot knock this guy down. Just read his first, just his first missionary journey. When he goes off with Barnabas, I mean, they get stoned, they get beaten, they get flogged. It's just terrible, but he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps going. What compels him? Well, he tells us in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. My friends, that's his Holy Spirit power. I want to know Christ. I want to know him more and, and deeply. And I see, I too, I'm compelled to know Jesus more deeply. I'm compelled to go deeper in my relationship, to not let anything get in the way of that, which typically I'm the one getting in the way or the things I allow into my life that are getting in the way. But I want to know him more deeply and primarily, primarily because he is worthy of that type of focused pursuit. So don't miss that. He is worthy of that, of all of my effort to go deeper in my relationship with him. He is absolutely worthy In addition to that, because he's such a great God, he promised that this is the path to eternal life. Now, beginning now, in the kingdom, don't miss that either. John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. The more we get to know him, the more we are living heaven on earth now. So let's ask the question, how am I going to start living heaven on earth now. I mean, is this possible? Well, Jesus said it is just then. And he says it over and over. I brought the kingdom to you. Now you can enter it. Now you can live in it. But then how am I going to achieve this? And we go back to our Hebrews 12 passage that we talked about last week. I'm going to throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. And the thing, the sin that so easily entangles. Everything that gets me out of the flow of the kingdom among us. And then I'm going to run with perseverance the race marked out for me. And I'm going to do that by fixing my eyes on Jesus. And as I mentioned last week, and you, you can go back to our 721ministries.org site and pick up past radio shows. You can pick up our past videos and get all of this and catch up with us. But 
if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to run my leg, see, it's a relay race that we're running. We're not running a single event race. It's not even a, I mean, it's certainly not a sprint, but it's not even a marathon. It's a relay race. And my parents ran their race and handed, handed the baton to me, and I want to hand the baton off to my children with a firm handoff, and I want to give them a lead because I ran my race with perseverance. I fixed my eyes on Jesus. To do that, I must be focused and purposeful and intentional. I asked the men in some of our men's meetings, what careers pop into your head that you want, you want that person to be intentional, focused, purposeful, narrow-minded? What careers, and first person said, a surgeon, yes, yes, surgeon, uh, world-class athlete. I think about Roger Federer on the tennis court, no distractions. You think about who is, how about uh, fighter jet pilots? And those guys are the really the creme de la creme. They're purposeful, they're focused, and intentional. And so I want to be that way. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus so he can then fix my eyes on what's most important. Because my eyes will go wandering off on things that aren't nearly as important. But if I fix my eyes on Jesus, he'll keep my eyes focused on what is most important in life, my relationship with him with my Heavenly Father through him, with my spouse, with my children, with my family, with others. But how do we throw off everything that hinders? And what might those hindrances be? Well, the short and simple answer, which I've already mentioned, is distractions. Distractions and our, your, ridiculous busyness. And remember, Remember, we talked about this. Recall Satan's three Ds that I learned from search ministries. His three Ds, destroy, distract, discourage. Destroy, distract, discourage. If he can keep you out of a relationship with Jesus, a saving relationship, and he'll do that by distracting you and discouraging you. I remember listening to Eugene Peterson, who translated the message, and he was talking about meeting Sting, the, the singer, Sting, and Sting wanted him to come up on his, he was very interested in Eugene Peterson, and he was very interested in his message, so he invited him aboard his personal jet. And, they, and, and Eugene Peterson talked about how they were really getting into a deep conversation, and then the manager came in and said, we got to get wheels up in five minutes. we gotta, we got to get to the next destination if we're going to do this and this. And so Eugene Peterson left wondering, and me wondering, if he got distracted from that point forward. And did Satan have anything to do with that? See, if this, if this story is true, and if, if Sting was in this situation, I mean, it's true because Eugene Peterson was telling me, but if it's, as I speculate, Eugene Peterson should have said, no, wheels don't go up until I finish this conversation. This is what is most important. So if Satan can distract you and then discourage you because you've gotten distracted, and you don't get that relationship with Jesus, you don't surrender your life to Jesus, then your soul is destroyed, and that's his main goal. But if he loses that and you are saved, you do surrender your life to Jesus, then he'll spend the rest of your life seeking to destroy the A-plus life to the full that Jesus said he came for you to have. And he'll do that by distracting you and discouraging you. I mean, come on. Our, our culture is full of distractions. Full of distractions. Now, you know, some of them are good. Mostly they are C minus. Some are bad. I'm guessing if you're listening to us today, most of your distractions are likely good or maybe a C minus. 
but they're certainly not the best, not even close. The good is the enemy of the best, always. Now, I know some of you may have pornography problems or drinking, gambling, smoking, having a hard heart, can't forgive, all those things. I know you may be struggling with that, and, and I'm sure some of you are. And yet for so many, it's those good but nowhere near the best distractions that will ultimately diminish his life to the full, Jesus' life to the full, that he said, listen, I've, I've got it for you. You can start living in the kingdom now. Eternal life is getting to know me. Now, you remember those parables of the four souls, that third soul? Well, in Matthew and Luke, he sums it up this way. With Matthew, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. In Luke, he says, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. They are not fruitful, and they do not mature. Do you know anyone like that? Well, I certainly don't want to be that person. I want to run with perseverance the race marked out for me. So I would encourage you, it, it, I think it would be really helpful if you would take a few minutes and write down those not-the-best distractions that are clogging up your life and slowing you down on your relay race. And then ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, as Dallas Willard would say, by ruthlessly eliminating all the not-the-best busy activities that are deterring you from running your race with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Today, will you purpose to eliminate just one? Paul, in, again, Eugene Peterson's translation and the message of 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, he says, I don't know about you starting at verse 26. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught taking a nap telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. That sounds like a jet pilot. That sounds like a surgeon. That sounds like a SEAL Team 6. That sounds like a world-class athlete. It sounds like people who are focused and purposeful and intentional. And they're not going to fail in their leg of the race. Now, Jesus says this about this distractions and busyness and hurriedness and all he says in Matthew 7:13 enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it now it's, it's pretty clear he's not talking about heaven or hell here now it certainly applies to those who miss heaven or hell by flowing through the 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 whitewater rapids of this culture but he's talking about they miss the narrow road that leads to life, life to the full. And only a few are going to find it because only a few are going to be purposeful and focused and intentional. The rest are just willy-nilly in it right on down the highway of destruction. Think about this for a moment. Do you know of any highways and exits and Situations where you've got to stay really focused to catch that exit. That if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss the exit. I think about leaving Greenville, South Carolina, driving up through Asheville. And as I drive, take the, the interstate part that goes through Asheville to the right, going west, I get, no, going east, 
if I want to go on Highway 19 slash 23, I have to be so focused to find that exit because it's, let's just call it exit 23B. Well, 23C comes before it on the right side. This one's on the left. You don't even know where 23A is. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing, and you better be paying attention or you're going to fly right by. I've only driven in England a couple of times. Do you know in England that they, they put the steering wheel on the wrong side of the car? And then they drive on the wrong side of the road. Now, by the way, I, I did a little research. And the research says that they do that because the Romans did that and they stuck with it. Either way, if you're dri- it's hard enough to drive on, with the steering wheel on the wrong side and you're on the wrong side of the road. But when you get to a roundabout, which the Brits are just, they love to put those roundabouts about everywhere. And you're trying to get over on the let's just say the third exit over on that roundabout, and you're, in the, you're on the wrong side of the car, you're on the wrong lane, if you don't focus, you will be led into the road that, that leads to destruction. Staying focused, staying, watching for that narrow gate is what life to the full is all about. You know, it's interesting. The more I read Jesus and the more I read the Old Testament, the more I see Jesus in the Old Testament, and the more I see him pulling thoughts and quotations directly out of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 30, 15. Moses, this is his farewell speech to the Israelites. They're going to cross over the Jordan into the Promised Land. He's not going to, so the entire book of Deuteronomy is, let me remind you of all the things that we've learned and I've taught you and that God has showed us over these last 38 years, 40 years. And in Deuteronomy 30, 15, he says, now think, let me go back. Let me read Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, to the full, and only a few find it. So Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Verse 19. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. That's what we're talking about, my friend. We're not talking about life after this, eternal life after this life. We're not talking about heaven. We're talking about heaven now. So if you will go to our website and look up the Narragate's King of the Castle, I'm going I'm to describe this to you, and this is what we'll talk about for the remainder of the show. On the first, on this chart that I have, this poster, I've got several thrones. The first throne has me sitting on it, and above the throne is me with a big exclamation point. The second throne is me still on the throne, but now there's a cross beside it because I have surrendered my life to Jesus. He's in my life now. The third throne, I've got Jesus up on the throne with me. Previously, I'm still up on the throne, but I go through my experiences with Jesus. I grow and go closer to him, so I realize at some point, you know, I really want him up on the throne with me, but I'm still co-chairing this thing. Then as I move along a little more, I get off the throne, and I leave him on the throne. But I, I'm still wanting to have a voice. I'm still on the management committee. So it's not just him. It's him and me. He's on the throne, but I'm one of his advisors. It's only until I fully embrace him on the throne, and I'm totally off of the throne, Will I really find that life to the full? So the process is going from 
me being the king of my castle, to slowly giving up that kingdom and letting Jesus take over. As we're going to move into prayer, you just think about the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. I advise you, I encourage you, that every time you say that prayer, you say immediately, my kingdom go. Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Because his kingdom cannot come in your life as long as your, your kingdom is in charge, as long as you're sitting up on the throne. Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. This process of these thrones that I just outlined, where you're solely on the throne and you're lost and you're, you're going to hell, and maybe somebody, nobody's told you that. But along the way, if you're, if, if you're lucky, Jesus pulls you in, pulls you through that first narrow gate, and you're saved, and now he's in your life, but you're still up on the throne. The next one, you've pulled him up on the throne with you, but you're still up there. The next one, you've gotten off the throne, but you're still on the manage- management committee. You still want, really, you want your way. You're willing to acknowledge that Jesus' will is best, but you still are giving him a lot of advice on what the best way for this to go when you fully release that, when you fully abandon the outcome. And now he's firmly on the throne. The way you get through that first gate to bring him into your life is the biggest challenge for men, for sure. But for Americans, certainly. Because in Matthew 18, 3, Jesus says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 18, 16, he says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't run, don't push the little children off. Bring them to me. There, this is who enters the kingdom, like a child. And that's how we are born again. That's how we surrender our lives, like a child, not like our intellectual grown-up, not like somebody who's figured it out. No, we surrender to the king. Now, as we're moving towards prayer, I just, I just want to get you to picture this. One of the greatest advances in my prayer life is, is as I started to visualize myself as a child. I'm a grown-up man. I'm almost 66, but as a child with my Heavenly Father. It, it totally changed my prayer life. So imagine this. Your four-year-old or your grandchild four-year-old comes to you, and they are visibly upset. They're worried. They're stressed, and they want to talk to you about it, and they want to tell you what it is they're upset about or what is scaring them or what's giving them the anxiety. But they they just cannot seem to form the words. And they're stumbling over their presentation of the words to their father or their grandfather. But at some point, they just reach out and they grab your hand and they pull themselves up into your lap and they lay into your chest and they don't say anything. They couldn't come up with the right words. They didn't have a model prayer. They didn't get it just right. They didn't formulate it so that it would be acceptable to God, to their father, to their grandfather. They just lay, got up in his lap like a child. Do you think that you as a father, you as a grandfather, mother, grandmother, excuse me, or your heavenly father would say, you know, you didn't come up with the right prayer. I cannot respond to your prayer because you didn't word it right. No. Like a child, like a child, will transform your prayer life. And as you go through this process of praying, when you're, when you're not even saved, 
If you have any prayer at all with God, it's all about you. It's all about you. And most of the time, it's foxhole prayers. It's, you know, it's bargaining prayers. If you'll get me out of this, I'll, I'll promise I'll never or I'll start or whatever. But it's, it's always about you. If you prayed about anybody else, it would only, only be because that affects you. When you're saved, your prayers are still about you. You may filter in others a little bit, but you're far from having him as the principal subject of your prayers. It's still about you. As you move on and you pull Jesus up onto the throne with you, where it's now you and him, and you're, on the, you're, you're still a part of it, you're co-CEOs, you're still praying about me, you. And you're probably starting to pray about others more. But again, you're nowhere near praying with him as your principal subject in the prayer. As you get off the cross... You start to bring him more and more off, off the throne. Excuse me. When you get off the throne and he takes more and more of a firm position, you start to pray more about me still, but now him and others. But when you get off the throne completely and you abandon the outcome to him because you know that he loves you perfectly, you have moved from Matthew six ten, where Jesus says you don't need to babble on like like pagans who don't know God, thinking all these words and their earnestness and all that, that's going to get his attention. No, when you get to the, to the Matthew 6, 8, that's Matthew 6, 7, Matthew 6, 8, you just need to pray this very simple prayer because your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. This process of getting off the throne, of letting him be the king of your life, of going through these gates will bring your prayer life to where it's so rich and it's communicating with your Heavenly Father. It's listening and, and receiving as well as speaking. And so often you'll find, you know, I, didn't even, I never asked anything for myself. I didn't need to. I could. I'm certainly encouraged to. I'm welcome to. But I never, it never occurred to me because I was enjoying praying about my Heavenly Father, about Jesus, about worshiping them, about adoring them, about living their life as well as others. But this process of getting off of the throne is going to look like a series of gates. And we have this on the poster on our website. The narrow gates, the gates get more and more narrow as you travel deeper into the kingdom. And what happens is the Holy Spirit will bring you up to a gate and he'll say, you know, Sam, you've got that habit. You need to drop that. If you want to go deeper into the kingdom, you need to drop that. And, of course, I say to the Holy Spirit, um, I, you know, I cannot do that. I, that's not reasonable. That's not, No, that's who I am. That's a part of me. Well, that's been with me so long. No, I cannot do it. And Jesus, and Jesus will say, okay, well, just hang back. You're still saved, but you cannot go any deeper. And as I hang back and as you hang back because you don't think you can or you're not willing to, Surrender that thing that he just told you, that one thing that he told you to drop. Bad habit, bad heart issue, won't forgive someone, still got greed, still got worry, still full of distractions and busyness. As you hang back, you think about how far he's already brought you and, and how the pastures are getting richer and the waters are, being, are getting quieter and stiller, just like the psalm, more still, like the psalm 23. And you say, okay, I got to go through that gate and I got to drop this. And then you drop it and you step through the gate and you say, oh my gosh, I've had I'm so much more free. 
The Holy Spirit, in Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit tells us not to grieve him by doing the things that he tells us not to do. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says don't quench by not doing the things he tells us to do. So he brings you up to these gates, and he says, now, I want you to do this or stop doing that to go through this gate. And we say, you know, I cannot do it. I, I, I still want my will. I still want my kingdom. I wouldn't say it out loud, but I no, I cannot go. The gates get more and more narrow. And so does the richness, the wonderful joy, love, joy, peace, patience, as you go through these gates. Jesus says in Luke 14, 25, he says in Matthew 16, 25, you must die to self. You must kill off self. You must take up your cross and deny yourself. And that's what ultimately happens at each one of these gates. As we move through this process of getting off the throne, our prayer life becomes richer because it's, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. And then others, because of he's directing my heart that way. But until I start coming up to these gates and realizing and listening for the Holy Spirit to tell me to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, I'm not going to go through those gates. Jesus said, narrow is the gate that leads to life, and only a few are going to find it. But broad is the road that leads to destruction, to the C-minus life, to the F life. And many, many, most, as a matter of fact, enter through that. So let me circle back. If you're going to run your relay race with perseverance, fixing your eyes on Jesus, if you're going to if you're going to run a solid leg of the relay race so that you hand it off to your children, you hand it off to the people that worked for you, you hand it off to younger people. There's so many. Go back and listen to last week's radio show. There's so many areas in our life where somebody ran a race, they handed us the baton whether we knew it or not, and now we have the chance, and I don't want to be the slow leg in that relay race. Relay race. I don't want to be the one who gives a shaky handoff. So I'm going to run with perseverance. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I'm not going to let these other things get in the way. So will you today eliminate one thing that is getting in the way of your going deeper? Will you say, you know, I, that is a busy thing. That is a, that's not a bad thing, but it's nowhere near the best. Perhaps I'm sacrificing relationship because I've gotten busy somewhere else. I'm sacrificing relationship with my Heavenly Father with my husband, my wife, my children, my loved ones, because I've gotten too busy. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's find that narrow gate. My friends, may you run your leg of the race with purpose and focus and intention so that when you hand off your baton, you will be able to say, as Paul did in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will appear to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to you, my friends. I'm Sam Hunter. This is 721 Live. So long. God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.